What's up, everybody? I had already recorded a full 45 minutes of podcast when uh, the news came down that DeAndre Hopkins had been released by the Arizona Cardinals. And it's the first like moving, earth shattering, not really earth shattering, but it's the first news we've had in a little while. So I thought we'd give a little quick forward. Not that we talk about the Cardinals a lot, mainly because I'm worried about Kyler Murray. And that had me kind of overlooking Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins as I drafted. I would still draft them, but only if they fell a bit instead of targeting them like it seems like you can now at where they're going to be at when you're drafting. And this is going to change a lot as uh, they're probably going to go up as I got to think that number one, that DeAndre Hopkins is going to get a better destination mainly because he's going to get to choose his destination. And he seems like the kind of guy that he's made a lot of money. He's probably going to prioritize winning as opposed to money, you would think. But you never know. He could absolutely take somebody's $16 million and you know go to the Carolina Panthers or something. Uh, I think if I was the Carolina Panthers, I would have stay- saved that Thielen money for something like this. But I'm still drafting Thielen and all that as well. Um, for DeAndre... He had been going 43 overall in this nebulous zone that I talk about having trouble with when I'm in the regular part of the podcast here. And uh, it's right where it's Christian Watson at 40, where there's a pretty, where there's Calvin Ridley, Debo Samuel, Mari Cooper, then a little gap, then Christian Watson, Mike Williams, Jerry Judy. And that's where DeAndre Hopkins had been going right, right after Jerry Judy. But before Keenan Allen, DJ Moore, Drake London, Terry McLaurin, right? So right in this nebulous spot I'd been having trouble with. And I wish I'd been mashing more of DeAndre Hopkins during this time because I think he's going to get a big boost from here in his closing line value when he signs with uh, you know the Chiefs or the Bills or something like that. Teams that were talking about trading for him in the first place, those seem like decent destinations, but we really don't know at this time but really anything is better than what i was thinking about arizona because i'm really worried about kyler he tore his acl pretty late in the season don't really have a whole lot of reason to bring him back in in a timely fashion you know they're not going to win this year they're they're kind of resetting their timeline a bit they also own houston's draft pick which a lot of people are projecting to be really high and uh, they, they just don't have a whole lot uh, to play for at this point. So it makes a lot of sense that uh, they wouldn't bring Kyler back as soon. That has me worried that Colt McCoy is going to be the quarterback. They Otherwise, the roster, a little top-heavy, especially on defense. I think the defense is going to be a disaster. But thing is, though, bad defense doesn't necessarily uh, hurt an offense. So I don't know. I should have been more on this, but the Kyler uncertainty hasn't been an uncertainty that I've been attacking, which is something you're supposed to do is attack uncertainty, especially in these tournament games. So you get better closing line value, meaning that the ADP, when every when all the information is known right before the season, you know, how much better that did you do than that with your drafting? And I got to think DeAndre, this is going to vault like if, if DeAndre gets a really sexy team, it's going to vault him way, way up the ADP, up up above that range I was talking about earlier and into the range more where it's that Calvin Ridley, Debo, Amari Cooper, DK Metcalf. If he gets a sexy team, that team is really going to make a difference for him. He looked great last season coming off that suspension and is a technical route runner who can go up and get it as well. Didn't look like he lost much as far as step and step, and and his speed is good, but it's not the basis of his game. He's got a good amount of power, too, and so you can't really redirect him, and then he's a great, technical, amazing route runner, like top-of-the-line route runner in in his technical ability and and really quarterbacks key in on that because they know exactly where he's going to be so they can throw it to his spot and he's going to be there and he's going to be able to make a catch uh, in a really large catch radius. So I think he can really bring something to a team. And um, it's unfortunate I haven't haven't gotten him more 
Um, and I'll, I'll be looking forward to stacking him with a quarterback once he kind of gets a landing destination. Hopefully, uh, it's somebody interesting as far as uh, as far as his quarterback goes. Because I'll tell you, I haven't been drafting wide receiver. Uh, wide receiver goes crazy in underdog, so you have to be really aware of that. The other thing for this, uh, as far as DeAndre getting out of Arizona, is that this is really really good news for Hollywood Brown, who when DeAndre was suspended looked like a number one receiver and played like it and was getting the targets and getting the the workload and was doing something with it and looked like an incredible pick. And then Deandre came back and the offense got out of whack and it just, it just really messed everything up. And so um, certainly uh, makes Hollywood a more attractive situation, Uh, especially like when you draft, when you draft Eagles and you're trying and you stack hurts with uh, AJ Brown and you want to get an Arizona Cardinal on the other side of that because they play week 17 i think this vaults hollywood up a little bit higher as a a sexy option that could really get you somewhere he's going at 78 currently which we'll talk about this range uh you'll notice i kind of gloss over it a little bit because i'm more interested in the george Pickens, deontay johnson tony um gabe davis Jahan dodson I'm, i'm more interested in that but we talk about this range a good deal in the pod so I think this is going to push uh, Hollywood up into that uh, Tyler Lockett at uh, 65. Ayuk. It's going to push him into that range, I would think, where there's a little bit more stability with their roles. Um, whereas the next one, the next flight down has a little bit more of a variance to it because you just don't aren't sure. You know it's going to go one way, but you're not sure which way it's going to go. And so there's a lot of uh, sliding door situations going forward from here on out with those drafts. So we'll see how Hollywood comes up after this information. But I felt like uh, there wouldn't be a lot out on this with Memorial Day coming, so I thought I'd give my thoughts on here that big boost to DeAndre, depending on the team. Obviously, if it's uh, going back to the Texans, that's not quite as sexy. Although, hey. They don't have a lot going at wide receiver, so he could get in there on those targets. And I don't necessarily not believe in C.J. Stroud without seeing it a little bit. So uh, I'm not out on the Texans either necessarily. Just uh, not something I'm bloodthirsty for like I am. Some of these situations, which we're going to talk about now. So thanks for sticking with me. Well, the rest of the pod I felt really good about, and I talk about a lot of different things fantasy-wise. So get it, dig in, guys. Here we go. What's up, everybody? It's the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean. Excited to be back with you. There hasn't been a ton of stuff going on with the NFL. We finally have some OTA actions this week. So it's been kind of a dead period. So I've been taking a little time to get my life in order so that I can come to you with NFL content for the rest of the year. And I kind of have all my ducks in a row. And uh, one of the big things that I do during this time is uh, draft fantasy football teams. And uh, there is a finite amount of fantasy football teams that I can be a part of and actually manage themselves. You know, you're making trades, you're picking starters, you're uh, dropping and making waiver claims, and there's a lot of management. And uh, if you're doing it right, there should be a lot of talking to people and chatting them up if you really want to make trades. If you're not talking to people when you're not making trades in leagues, If you only come to them with trade offers, you're probably not going to get a lot done. It's about the people when it comes to that kind of thing. But I only have so much uh, energy for those type of endeavors. And uh, so if you're going to up your game and have uh, more skin in the game, so to speak, you, you probably need to pick up what is called best ball. And it's just now gaining popularity. I believe this is the fourth year that they've had best ball mania in underdog which is mainly what we're going to be talking about today but it's on other platforms as well and what happens is in a best ball tournament or just best ball league you draft your team there's no starters or bench players there's no trades there's no free agents or anything your team is your team as you draft them at that point which takes all the management out of the scenario and just uh, allows you to draft which to me is the most fun part of all of it. And of course, getting together with your bros is a big part of it. But when that's not always available and you only get to do that so many times a year, best ball allows you to do so 
because you don't have to pick your starters or anything like that. It's an optimal lineup. So each week, whatever your team scores, if uh, Kenny Pickett outscores Patrick Mahomes and he's on and they're both on your team, you take Kenny Pickett's score, even though there's no circumstance typically unless Patrick's on a bye that you're going to do that. That's one of the cool things about best ball is there's no FOMO uh, as far as fear of missing out on starting someone you, you get, you know, who you have now, that's a big problem with injuries and with things going not the way you thought you, they were going to go, you know, with the regular fantasy league, you can kind of correct course and you've got a lot more information. You've got a lot of in season information to go on, but in best ball, it's all about your draft. It's all about what's going on at that time. Like, for instance, Ezekiel Elliott doesn't have a team right now, but you can still draft him. And if he gets a great team, you know, somebody's running back gets hurt, God forbid, that you, you know, you've already had a couple of drafts and you've got some Cam Akers or something. I, I had that happen to me. I had 18 drafts at the time that can't win Cam Akers tore his Achilles. And you know what? He came back and he got a couple of scores in the end, but. That, that sucks. And that's part of best ball. And those are all things you have to bake into this scenario. And then it, in some leagues, if your team scores the most in that given week, you get a payout in some, you don't, and it just varies on what kind of contest that you enter as far as how the scoring goes. But each week, your optimal lineup is your score. And then it adds up the scores. And at the end for underdog, there's a playoffs. So week 14, the top uh, certain amount of teams advance. Same thing for the next one until you're left with two teams. And then those teams have one more final best ball for the championship. It, that's for regular leagues in tournaments, which is what I've been doing a lot of. You, It's the same thing. You, The top couple advance. And then you have a series of best ball tournaments from there all the way through week 17. And then, you know, you have your, your prizes at that point going all the way to $3 million for first place in the Best Ball Mania 4 tournament. And that's kind of what's got me turned on a little bit to underdog Best Ball. I'm definitely going to do some Yahoo. They just don't have the big prizes, but there's a a lot less uh, savvy competition in Yahoo. And then underdog has it as well. And I'm interested to see what underdog has, because I think they're going to have some big tournament prizes as well. And uh, I'm going big or I'm going home as far as this thing goes. So I'll be going after that. Stacks, having uh, players that play in the same game in week 17 is a little bit more important in uh, in best ball too um, when it comes to the tournaments especially. But it is, uh, it is something to look at as well and something to be considering when it comes to assembling these teams. Maybe we'll get into that. A little bit as we as we go along here. As a matter of fact, I know I won't be able to stop talking about it as I'm talking about some of these players and where they're going in the draft so far. Now, underdog itself is kind of a a wide receiver heavy gambit. A lot of people go wide receiver pretty uh, exclusively in the first round, and, and sometimes you'll see where they've got one running back and like six wide receivers. I've seen that. I saw it last night. Uh, I was doing a, a best ball mania last night, and uh, that definitely happened. And sometimes that sucks some of the uh, value out of a position and pumps it into another. So you just kind of have to roll with the punches and let the chips fall where they may. It is kind of a gamble in the end, especially with these big tournaments. So you have to kind of bake that into what you're doing. But, you know, in the big tournaments, you still, it's still a, fantasy league you know you're drafting your team just like in all these leagues and then you're going to go be going up against other drafts so you might be going up some up against some of your own players when it comes to that because you know it's just a finite amount of players and really the good ones the first two rounds a lot of the times go the same way uh not exactly but I'll, i'll break it down for you right now yahoo most definitely i've done some yahoo drafts and to be clear i've done 35 so far I did a couple before the draft, and it's really kicked up uh, since the draft. So where is my expertise in this subject coming from? It's coming from the fact that I've done 35 drafts so far. And I have a pretty good memory on how it goes. Mostly it's underdog. That's mostly what we're going to be discussing today. But I'll mix some Yahoo to give it some perspective 
as well. So underdog, very wide receiver heavy, as I said. Typically with Yahoo, it's the opposite. It's running back heavy in the first couple of rounds, which uh, goes towards, I think, the more uh, old school strategy a lot of the times for Yahoo people that, you know, we are um, a generation that started playing on Yahoo because it was uh, really one of the few platforms that was available and, and free. And then uh, Google took over. Yahoo used to be somewhat comparable as a search engine. Now, I don't think that's the case. It might be number two, but uh, I think it's a distant situation. Regardless, that's uh, was still where I play a couple of my home leagues. And uh, it is uh, more running back heavy because the ADP right now is uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Christian McCaffrey, Tyreek, Cooper Cup. Travis Kelsey, that's the top six. And it doesn't always go that way, but uh, those those are typically how it, how it's going up there. There's some sort of order there. Christian McCaffrey is one of the few running backs that gets mixed into that mix. And then it's funny because tip, a lot of the time, Bijan Robinson is the number two running back off the board with a bullet. And that was the first point I wanted to make with all of this is that there's a lot of belief in Bijan Robinson, where he landed, who he landed with. And uh, I don't necessarily disagree. Like, uh, I love the way he looks on film, his versatility, the amount of power he's able to generate with his speed and with his toughness. Uh, he's got a good pad level. He's got great shiftiness and tremendous balance. Like, that's part of what makes him so good as a receiver is his body control. And that goes for him as far as lunging for the ball and going and getting it. And it goes for his ability to stay balanced and break tackles and not be uh, taken off his feet by weak uh, situations and weak arm tackles and stuff like that. He is going to run through that on an NFL level. We haven't seen it translate, you know, because we haven't seen it yet, but I believe it will. And this draft uh, capital that you have to sink into him definitely lends itself that way. Other than Bijan, every other Falcon is pretty depressed, though. That is one thing to think about. It, it, it It's a lot up front. But then if you're going to do like a Desmond Ritter desperation stack at the very end with uh, maybe you, you've also gotten Kyle Pitts or maybe your same game stacking it. Because you have the Chicago Bears as well, that's also an option because Justin Fields is going off as the fourth quarterback typically. So he a lot of times he goes after Joe Burrow, but uh, it's a little bit more affordable than when s- some of the, the top five, four quarterbacks, I say he's going fourth, he's going fifth. There's also Lamar in there too, but uh, I digress. We're talking Bijan here. And uh, it's funny because uh, at least it's probably going to switch up a little bit and ever since Austin Eckler's situation has firmed itself up as a Los Angeles Chargers situation, he's been a little bit higher drafted as well. There were some people kind of giving Austin Eckler a little bit of a discount because of, uh, I guess, some uncertainty. In my mind, when he didn't get the trade right up front, um, he was with a bullet at least the sec- third wide, re- uh, at least the third running back, probably the second. In my mind, I was I was drafting him second, especially after the campaign last year. And uh, I believe that the Los Angeles Chargers are going to be better as an offense this year. And you don't have to draft them that way necessarily. Way after the top six go, Justin Herbert goes late fourth to fifth round. He's uh, currently 52, which I guess is closer to the early fifth round when we're talking 12 i gotta get my it's not 10 picks it's 12 picks which adjusts things a little bit but regardless i find that to be a little bit more palatable of a price and if you're stacking for tournaments mike williams and keenan allen go just a little bit before that so it's pretty easy to get one of them and then come back around and get justin herbert doesn't always work, so you have to be aware of that. But since I believe that the Chargers are going to be a better offense anyway with under Kellen Moore because I hate Joe Lombardi, let's go ahead and get into Joe Lombardi real quick. I didn't mean to go all the way to that so quickly, but since we're here, and I don't mean to 
fly over Bijan is number two. I think he's a solid top three, top four back. Uh, I'm taking him as such. I love him with sake. I love Saquon. I love Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Bijan. I'm okay with any of that. So not to gloss over it, but let's talk about Joe Lombardi here. Cause I can't express how much I did not like the way that he was calling plays and doing things Oh God, that's so- with his team and with the offense here. It was not good. It was not good. And part of the big thing to me, what, and everybody seems to point this out as I'm listening to others podcast about this, but the average depth of target, he didn't really give Justin the reins to be able to work the ball down the field. Maybe that's because the wide receivers aren't as fast exactly, But at the same time, Justin Fields has the hose and Mike Williams can go up and get it. Keenan Allen has good body control, so he's not opposed to going up and get it. And now you're going to have Quentin Johnson in a much more creative offense. Kellen Moore was 10 times of creative when it came to everything, when it it came to pre-snap shifting, when it came to working the ball on all the different parts of the field, using the running back, using the receivers in creative ways. Being able to scheme the offensive line to be able to block and pass block, that was huge. That was something Justin didn't get a lot of help with. And I know they lost Slater at a certain point, but still, it was not good. None of it was good. And Lombardi was really complacent in the way that he did things. Like the pre-stap, like the, the amount of he moved Justin around, he would move him around a little bit and then he would stop. And he really needed to put Justin on the move a little bit because the offensive line wasn't really doing a lot to to give Justin the time that he would need to be stationary in the pocket and pick him apart from the pocket. And that's part of why you're seeing more and more mobile quarterbacks is because it's harder and harder to do that in the NFL. Creating a pocket used to be a lot easier when pass rushers wasn't the the paid for position. It used to be running backs. It used to be the uh, quarterbacks. It's, all, it's still the quarterbacks, but it used to be those type of guys that would get paid. And now it's shifted where you can get paid a lot of money to be a pass rusher. And it's been so long since that's been the case that a lot of the premier athletes come up playing pass rusher. So teams are having a harder and harder time creating these pockets to be able to protect their quarterback and have them be statuesque back there and and pick the defense apart. That doesn't exist anymore. So that's why you're seeing guys that are be able to move around, uh, be more and more successful because it lends itself more and more to the modern NFL. And to my point, Kellen Moore is running a modern NFL offense. Say what you will about the Cowboys, but I don't think that was their problem at all. Uh, when it came to the Cowboys and what they had going on. And I can't wait to see what Kellen Moore is going to do with this offense. So Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, hell, Gerald Everett, kind of towards the end when you're having to draft more than one tight end in these best balls, count me in. Quentin Johnson too. Quentin Johnson, his ADP is a little higher for for what you would think like it's it's a little higher than on this platform than I like the people are really all over the rookies on this platform in Yahoo you can get him cheap so cheap he's going 85 which uh you know that's kind of expensive for him but if you're stacking uh, you know what he's got a lot of talent too for where he's going but then again David Montgomery's going around there Brandon Cooks Deshaun Watson Alexander Madison Jahan Dotson Those are all players that I'm into around that range. So you have to really want Quentin to go there. And rookie receivers have a pretty checkered past. So that's something to keep in mind. But I do like Quentin a lot. I love the fit. I love what I think he can do on the outside with uh, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen uh, in the slot, and then Quentin on the other side with uh, Gerald Everett and Austin Eckler. That is a stud stud filled backfield slash skill position slash all of it. And they're all going to get some Kellen kind of spreads it out. Sure. So maybe they don't, you know, reach their ultimate wide receiver one, you know, for the best quarterback in the league type thing. But I don't know. I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm in on Justin. I'm in on those ADPs and that's definitely something to consider, especially when it comes to the stacking. And then uh, they play the Broncos and while uh, Jerry Judy, where he's going, I love the talent, but it's a little, he's going in that same range. Like Mike Williams is going 42, Jerry Judy 
43, Keenan Allen, 45. That, that's kind of a range I struggle with, too. DJ Moore, Drake London, Terry McLaurin are all in that range. Christian Kirk kind of finishes up that little range right there. I stru- That's the one I'm struggling with right there because I'm ending up around there. And it's like, what do you do? Do you dip down into the, the running backs that have teams that are a little worse, like Green Bay and Carolina? Um, or do you stick with those wide receivers? One of those guys is going to pop. So it's a question of which one. Christian Watson, very highly drafted and underdog, not quite as much in Yahoo. Big time differing opinions on him. I don't find myself getting him as much unless he falls, mainly because I'm not sure how much I believe in Jordan Love as a quarterback. Got him like one time in Yahoo, um, which is tough because there's probably some meat on that bone and some targets there. And, I, and while I'm drafting Aaron Jones a good amount when because he drops to the fifth round, uh, and I think that Jordan Love's going to have to do some checking down, I worry about that offense overall when it comes to creating points consistently. So that is something I'm not fading it exactly, especially since they play Minnesota and I'm going to have a decent amount of Minnesota Kirk cousins uh, stacks, especially with Justin Jefferson going number one with a bullet too. That's, that's something that's happening in these underdog drafts you have to deal with, you know, while we're sitting around in the first round, AJ Brown, number nine, he's like number 21 or something crazy on, uh, on Yahoo. So that's something to jump all over, over, if you want A.J. Brown, though, and you want to stack him with Jalen Hurts, you kind of have to take Jalen Hurts in the second round to make sure that you get him. Like, that's one thing that I want to discuss, and it gives a little bit of uh, context to the Justin Herbert love is the fact that Patrick's going 19, Jalen's going 20, and uh, Josh Allen's going 22. And uh, uh, Jalen was going three, typically. But ever since Josh Allen said he wasn't going to run as much, that's been a little different. That's Jalen's been creeping up. But to my point, if you want to make that stack, especially for a tournament, you're if you're drafting Stefan Diggs or AJ Brown in that range, you're pretty much making a decision that you're going to draft their quarterback in the second round. And typically you get it sometimes, but in the especially in the tournaments, there's a lot of people that think they have to have that uh top quarterback and they're not as concerned with the stacking as you are or you should be because stacking is absolutely a part of the tournament play if that's what you're doing i don't worry as much about it in the regular drafts where you know i'm just it's like a home league where there's no you know i'm not having to go up against 400 people in the final like that's how the tournament plays work so it's a little different on that part but to my point uh it's pretty much josh allen or patrick jalen hurts josh allen in that first round where at the same time you could be drafting Nick Chubb, Saquon, maybe one of the wide receivers fell like Amon Ra, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddles also in that range as he's being drafted. And uh, then after the quarterbacks, you've got some Tony Pollard, Devontae Smith, Alave, T. Higgins. So that's what you're giving up. Also, Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Ramondre Stevenson right after that. So that's what's in that range that you have to give up to draft those quarterbacks. So it's really a commitment this time because they fantasy is a lot of it is drafting off of what happened last year, especially the ADPs like that. They, they get kind of lumped into what everybody, what happened last year. That's what their price is going to be this year. So you kind of have to predict if that's going to be the same, that's going to go up. If the, how much do I believe in that? And uh, the play of the top quarterbacks last year really has driven up the price of quarterbacks this year in these drafts. And uh, the good thing about Patrick, he might not have a first round wide receiver, but he does have Travis Kelsey. So you can go Kelsey and Patrick. That definitely creates some weirdness as far as running back and wide receiver goes, but it's workable for sure. It's workable. And then Patrick has a lot of other stacks too. Like you can get, all of Patrick's wide receivers are really late. So you can take some gambles on Kadarius Tony or who he's the priciest of the non-Kelsey guys. He's going kind of right after the last bit of the stability guys like Tyler Lockett. Jordan Addison isn't a stability guy, but you just project his carries out there. 
George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Tyler Traylon Burks is right in this range here. But Kadarius at 70, pretty pricey, but uh, I still managed to get him some there. And that's something you could do with your Patrick stacks too. And then the in week 17 for your tournaments, uh, the Bengals play the Chiefs. So you, it's an easy way to mix some T Higgins in there. Maybe you got, maybe you didn't go um, Travis Kelsey with your Patrick. Maybe you go Jamar Patrick, and then you get some Kadarius Tony later on. Have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of tournament teams with the Patrick Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, a lot of those players in there. But uh, still, I think Kadarius is an interesting way to kind of go around that a little bit and still get something there. But uh, you do have to give up something there. There's there's upside running backs there. DeAndre Swift, Pacheco, Cam Akers, maybe Damian Pierce fell right there. That's also where my boy Kyle Pitts, he's uh, he's around 63. Um, we'll see if Kyle actually gets it going this season. He's got so much talent, so much ridiculous amount of talent. But that's kind of the range. Maybe Ayuk fell. Ayuk goes a little bit before all that. He's more of a stability play. And then you start getting into your Hollywood Browns, Gabe Davis, Jahan Dotson, right? So it uh, it it does seem like there's kind of like a shift right after that point in the wide receiver game, and it gets a little bit more wide open. And that is one thing I like about that range too is that that's where your Baltimore wide receivers start coming in. That's where a lot of the some of your Denver, your your Cleveland stuff comes in, and Joku. Um, and the like. So uh, it definitely, there's a lot going on right there. And you can kind of pick your favorite Baltimore wide receiver, especially if you missed like Mark Andrews, because uh, Lamar and Mark Andrews are going right next to each other right now at 31 and 32. And if you're going to stack that, you have to get lucky that Mark Andrews doesn't kip off a little bit before that. And just like I like that the Chargers offense is going to get better. I'm also thinking about the Ravens a lot too. They're one of the offenses that I think could take a big leap this year because they got rid of an offensive coordinator that I don't like. And uh, I do watch a ton of film. I watch at least 10 games from each team. And I can tell you that I think this is going to be a big upgrade for the Baltimore Ravens and the Chargers. Those are two of the big ones for me that I think are going to make a big leap this year. I'm also in on the Jets too, but uh, not much because of the offensive coordinator on there, and it's more about Aaron Rodgers on their end, obviously. But uh, like I said, if you want Lamar, if you want Mark, you kind of have to go right there. If you don't end up getting Mark, but you do get a, end up getting Lamar, who may run less, but I'm telling you, Monken is going to make them have a more efficient passing game, plus they have better options now too. So while I think Mark Andrews is going to still going to be a beast, that they're going to throw the ball more and that's going to behoove Mark Andrews in a big way. I still like Rashad Bateman. I still like Zay Flowers and I am big on Odell Beckham, especially since Odell is the polarizing one of the three. So it starts off in the ADP with Rashad Bateman at 94. Then you've got Odell at 110. And actually, I'm sorry, I did that out of order. Zay Flowers is at 88. So you actually have to pull Zay Flowers a little bit earlier. If you just have wide receivers up, it's Quentin Johnson, Zay Flowers, Michael Thomas, Rashad Bateman, Cortland Sutton, Elijah Moore, Jamison Williams, just to give you a taste of what's going on there. They're all drafted within a round of, of each other. And, uh, you know, a lot of indecision on all that. Quentin and Zay are rookies. Michael Thomas hasn't been relevant in a while, even though he definitely could be. We'll see. Rashad Bateman, Cortland Sutton, I love the talent, but they they seem to be out on him. Elijah Moore, you know, who knows what the how much the Cleveland is going to throw the ball. Then you got your Jamison Williams suspension. Juju, new team. I do like New England as an offense that could get better. Spoiler alert for what I'm going to talk about. But then you got your Odell. I think it's downright disrespectful that Odell is at 110. I really like the way he looked as a Ram. So get him in there with a quarterback that can hit him and get him the ball deep because Lamar can throw the ball deep, unlike Baker. And I think there could be something here. And we saw what would happen with Matt Stafford and Lamar isn't quite the same proficiency as a passer as prime Stafford, 
or not prime, but you know, Super Bowl. Let's call it Super Bowl Stafford. Wasn't prime, but it was still really good. Then uh, I get that part, but when you can stack them so late, you can kind of attack wide receiver right there. Maybe you missed out a little bit earlier because you went Lamar as early as you did. You got some running back depth there. It's a good way to fill that out to be able to get two of those guys when there's there's a lot of uh, indecision there. And it's a good thing uh, in a lot of these things, you get a lot of value when you attack indecision. And it doesn't feel great at the time, but just know it's going to work out one way or another. And, you know, especially with these tournament teams, you're if it doesn't work out, you know, you're probably going to be danged anyway. So you might as well go big and go with your gut on a lot of that. And uh, I find myself pulling the trigger like I have a Rashad and Zay one. I have a Rashad and Odell one. I draft Odell a lot of the time when he falls just by himself because I'm getting such good value. Like when he, if he's in the 11th round and you're still able to get him, I think that's going to be good because they're going to throw more. It's going to happen. This isn't last year when they didn't have anybody to throw to. Do you remember what they did when they had people to throw to remember what they did to the dolphins that year? Just to lead it off. And Romar won the MVP that can happen. That can happen again. They've freshened things up and they've got somebody that has quality offensive chops. So I'm in on that. I'm in on the Chargers. I mentioned the Patriots. I don't want to spend a ton of time on the Patriots exactly, but they are another team that got an offensive coordinator that I believe in and that I think can turn around a situation that was horrible. The Patriots had one of the worst offensive coordinators and offensive situations in the league last year. And uh, other than Matt Canada not getting fired, I can't believe they That's one of the most confounding things to me um, going into this when I think about, you know, football decisions is that they made that decision with the coaching uh, on the offensive side with a young quarterback like Mac Jones with kind of a, a dirt, uh, kind of like a deficit at wide receiver too. It just, it, it all was not well, but uh, I think that they're going to get better. Mac is essentially like the last starter taken as a quarterback, which is one of the things I like about him. And you can get Mike Gesicki really late. You can get Tyquan Thornton really late. Only only Patriots you have to draft early are Ramondre Stevenson and Juju Smith-Schuster. And another thing I like about Ramondre, too, is if you do go with that Stefan Diggs-Josh Allen stack, you can draft Ramondre Stevenson on the other side of that. And he, the Bills played the Patriots in Week 17, so that's really good for your tournaments. Granted, that's your first three round picks built into that game. But I mean, if you're going with that stack, it's a you're going for that game anyway. And I really like Ramondre Stevenson. I think he gives them a nice base as far as the Patriots go with his running style, with his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield and just do everything that they need him to do. Bill O'Brien has had great success with that. And I think they've upgraded their receiver core as well with Juju Smith-Schuster, which we talked about kind of where he was going, you know, in that indecision range uh, at 104, kind of that same range as Odell. I don't get him as much, though, because you can go later, so much later, and get Tyquan Thornton. That's a, that's kind of like a last, or that's kind of like your late round picks. You can get Mike Gesicki as your third tight end, typically. And I think Mike Gesicki is going to have a big role it's a situation where a team has been watching this guy kind of work them and, and watching him on film twice a year, and they're finally able to bring him in. And I think he should get some work as a wide receiver, and that's going to be big. And the and the Patriots honestly have a, a nice history of working two tight ends into that anyway, so he could be the move tight end in their situation. And you're, we're talking about drafting him. We're talking about drafting him after Matt Laporta talking about after Michael Mayer talking about in pick number 193. So you can get that late and he's probably going to get more receiver snaps than a lot of these guys that you're looking at there. And then of course, Devonte Parker, you can get him in the very, very last round. So it's an easy way to stack around Mac and then they play the bills. You can kind of get some bills around there. The bills have some interesting guys, including a former Patriot, Damian Harris, who I'm, who I'm interested in. James Cook, not as, but still Gabe Davis, et cetera. So if you don't get Stefan Diggs, if when you're Josh Allen stack, there's still some hope there, including Dalton Kincaid, 
who I think is we were talking tight ends is being a little overdrafted. Um, he's the tight end 11 right after Pat Fryermuth, but before Dalton Schultz, Okongwo, Cole Komet, Greg Dulcich, Tyler Higby. Eh, that's a lot to ask of that rookie tight end, but that's the kind of upside he has. So if you want that part of the stack, you got to go pretty early. I'm more likely to draft David Njoku or Fryermuth right before that like a round or two earlier, like Joku's kind of a ninth, 10th guy. Frymuth's kind of a 10th, 11th guy. I believe in both those guys. And if uh, Pittsburgh would have changed offensive coordinator, I'd be even more in the bucket for them because I believe Kenny Pickett is going to make uh, a leap in his progression. I liked what I saw from him a lot, and uh, I think he's going to jump up. So I've been drafting Pittsburgh uh, Steelers pretty regularly and especially stacking them because it's easy. You can do Najee as your third or, or second or even first uh, running back. And then Fryermuth around this time, Pickens and Deontay go around the same time we were talking about in the, the seventh or eighth round. So they're, they're kind of easy Pickens, no pun intended actually, as it turns out. And uh, that's kind of it. Uh, you can do Allen Robinson later on too. So you kind of have to put the cart before the horse when it comes to your Kenny Pickett stacks, but uh, they play the Seahawks. So you can get you an early round Seahawk and then worry about, you know, your Kenny Pickett later because Kenny goes as the quarterback 24 set 174 overall. So 16th, 17th, maybe 15th. If you're really getting spicy there, Jimmy Garoppolo is one of my favorite targets that late too, but now he's hurting. Brock Purdy isn't necessarily a guarantee to come around. CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Matthew Stafford. I'm getting some of that Jordan love, but as you see there, there's a lot of indecision and rookies in that area. So Kenny is one of the people that I find myself getting in that range, not because of Matt Canada, but because the offensive line is going to be better. And then you saw Kenny making strides. The game should slow down. And then you've got all these skill position guys. So a little bit longer in the pocket, throw these skill position guys in there with Kenny. And that's something I'm in on. So another one of those guys, another one of those offenses that I'm trying to invest on uh, that I think is going to get better. And, you know, I haven't mentioned much about like I, I mentioned Cincinnati and Philadelphia and the chart in, in Buffalo. I think those offenses are already going to be good. Don't get me wrong. I think, I think these offenses that I'm talking about are going to be better. Like, I, I think Cleveland's going to get better. I think Deshaun Watson, it's not an offensive coordinator thing with him. I think just Deshaun Watson having more time to practice, get back into the swing of football and everything. I think that they're going to look a lot, a lot better. So I'm drafting Amari, definitely drafting Nick Chubb. No Kareem Hunt means more leverage plays for Nick Chubb, more receiving, hopefully for Nick Chubb. So I'm in on that. And then, uh, in Joku, like I talked about, that's something I'm really targeting because Deshaun Watson was targeting him as one of his guys. And while they've added some talent to the pool at wide receiver, it still feels like that's the way to go with your Amari, with your Njoku, with your, uh, Nick Chubb. And then you can kind of do some stuff later with a Tillman or with people's Jones. If you want to go that route with it, Elijah Moore, you kind of have to pay up on a little bit just because of the talent. And because uh, I've definitely seen Deshaun Watson work some guys of the Elijah Moore build uh, when it comes to his wide receivers. So uh, I'm definitely in on all of that. And you don't have to commit to Deshaun so early because he was so raw looking last year. You can kind of get him as the first quarterback of the next rung of quarterbacks. So it goes Patrick, Jalen, Josh, like we talked about. That's the second round, third round tier. And then third, fourth is Justin, or I mean Lamar. Justin and Joe Burrow are kind of in that range too. It depends. Call it fourth, fifth. I've seen Joe Burrow go really early if they're trying to secure the T. Higgins, Jamar Chase stack, but that is what it is. Then we've got Justin Herbert at 50 or 52, Trevor Lawrence at 62, and then Deshaun Watson at 83. So there's this big kind of drop off there between those two tiers as far as the drafting goes. So you can kind of you kind of sneak in there and get in on your Deshaun Watson if that's something you've already stacked earlier on. And then once you've made that commitment, then you can kind of go to your Njoku and your Elijah Moore at that time. 
So that's a good one for me. I like the Cleveland. I like Deshaun to get better. One thing that you notice when you're talking about Deshaun right there is who goes around him and right after him. Said Deshaun at 83. Anthony Richardson is next at 89. Dak Prescott, 94. Tua Tungavailoa, 98. And then there's another little, and then Kirk, Daniel Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Geno. Then it kind of drops off again to Jared Goff. So there's, that's kind of that, there's kind of this middling tier where everybody kind of takes shots. But it's interesting that the earliest shot a lot of the times is Anthony Richardson. And trust me, nobody's more excited about Anthony Richardson than me. I have some stacks there. I have him. I drafted him number two overall in my dynasty draft. So nobody's more in on him than me at this time. But uh, that is a little rich. Like unless you you got to really be thinking about it. And uh, it is one of the more variable guys out of all of those guys. I've seen him go as early as the fifth round. That which was a really weird team and it was a tournament team. Um, but I've also seen him go as like as late as the 11th. So it's uh it's a big variable there. The good thing is about him, I think he's gonna be fantasy gold from the beginning, just because he's gonna have to run. I don't think that's gonna be an option he has. He's gonna it's gonna look a lot like Josh Allen year one. By the way, if you didn't look watch Josh Allen year one, watch him run quarterback sweep after quarterback sweep, trying to get his team to win. That's how I knew he was going to be good. I hope I see a lot of the same things from Anthony this season. And you don't, if you're stacking, you know, Michael Pittman's up in the fifties. So you do have to, you know, be forward thinking on that end. But after that, it's not Uh, Jonathan Taylor too. Obviously that's something early. I'm not, I do have some Jonathan Taylor, Anthony Richardson stuff going on. And that is the reason that Jonathan Taylor falls down a little bit is because there's a lot of belief that Anthony Richardson will take some of his touchdowns away at the goal line because he's had like the goal line to himself recently. And now it's not going to be that way because Anthony Richardson should be a beast when they get down there. To my point, Alec Pierce, Josh Downs, the other stackable pieces for Anthony Richardson, those go way later on and I think have some validity to them. And Jelani Woods, you can make him your last tight end as well if you wanted. And then the Raiders aren't a hard team to same game stack when it comes to the Colts either. So I do have some of that going on, but man, having him be the quarterback 10 already, I wish it wasn't so. It feels like there'd be greater value if people weren't so hype on him, but that's part of the, you kind of, if you're going to get Anthony Richardson in a draft, if you're going to set out to get him you kind of have to pull the trigger because you just never know where he's going to go. And I think that's part of it. I think that's part of this. Cause I mean, you look right down right below him, Dak Prescott, way better track record. Obviously he's played a bunch of seasons and he might not be sexy and he may never win a Super Bowl. who knows, but he's going to have something here. He's got great weapons and I don't care how much Mike McCarthy says he wants to run the ball. He's going to be throwing it too. And uh, I think some of the Dak hate, Kirk Cousins kind of is what it is. This is where Aaron Rodgers starts to go. I think a lot of that is uh, overblown. So to see Anthony right there is a little startling, especially when you don't see another rookie until like one set until 170 with Bryce Young, right? Um, who I would take, I'm, I am taking. I think Bryce Young's going to have some juice coming right out of the gate. But uh, as like my third quarterback, you have to take Anthony as your first or second, depending on what you did earlier. I have way more first or I have way more second than I do first, but uh, I do have like a Anthony Gino team, stuff like that. So I'm rolling the dice with it, but that's when he falls. That's when people aren't going crazy because there's some craziness to it, too. And that's what's pushing the ADP up. And that's how, you know, that's how underdog ranks it too. They they have it ranked on the ADP. So um, that's how you see it. That's how people are drafting it and seeing it. So you kind of have to be able to free your mind from that kind of stuff more than other places that have their, like Yahoo has their ranks on there, right? So you, you have a little bit more stuff coming at you information wise when it comes to that. I'll leave us with one final thing. It's an offense that I'm not sure what to do with. And I think a lot of people aren't given their track record, but it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Baker Mayfield has something, but uh, I'm not sure it's capable of supporting in the way that they're used to be supported. 
Chris Godwin, I'm not as worried about just because that he's Baker's style. And I think Baker is going to have to rely on him. Mike Evans isn't. I don't think that Mike Evans can be supported by Baker at this point because of the deep ball. Mike Evans was more dependent on the deep ball than ever last year. And Tom Brady was putting it out there pretty good and they weren't connecting. Baker Mayfield does not put it out there pretty good. He has to put his entire body into the throw to be able to make it viable. And it just doesn't quite get there a lot of the time, or it's just so inaccurate that it gives the defender a chance to make a play. And and you really have to have a precision throwing when it comes to the downfield passing. And Baker just doesn't have that. So on the fact that you have to draft Chris Godwin in the, the 50 area where Miles Sanders is going, Pittman, J.K. Dobbins, Joe Mixon, and Ayuk, Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Pitts, and then you have Mike Evans, Lockett, Addison. I like them more than some of the stuff that's going after that, but the stuff that's going around and before them just hasn't been for me because I don't believe in Baker as uh, – I believe him as, as a like a – low-end starter-ish, but I don't believe uh, maybe a good backup, but I don't believe in him as a guy that's going to be able to support Mike Evans in the role that he's going to need to be successful at this time in his career. And I don't believe in the offense overall, nor do I believe in Kyle Trask. That's the other option. Now I'm going to be really screwed if Tom Brady comes back. And to be clear, I haven't seen Tom Brady drafted a single time. So I think everybody believes that he's not going to come back, but, uh, Lord help me if he does, because I don't find myself getting Godwin or Mike Evans all that much. Well, a lot of talk. Uh, hopefully you found it interesting. A lot of stuff, just what's going on in best ball currently should have more of that. I have a lot of uh, EXP going right now because I've uh, been doing so many drafts and I can't plan to keep doing so. So look for more content on this. Hopefully we'll have some more news coming out of OTAs to talk about. And uh, look for more videos. Should have them, especially uh, some live streams with my drafts. And uh, have a great rest of your day.